Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Aerospace Business and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Faust. And today we will be talking about how to connect an organization's long-term strategy to near-term actions. And specifically, an organization looks out over a period of time and thinks about how to affect the trajectory and success of, of any business. So within aerospace, that could be a manufacturing organization. It could be an aftermarket company. It could be a parts and trading company. It could be a services company specifically. All types of aerospace organizations have this dynamic and at times struggle with how to think about the business in a long-term way, but yet do something this month, this year, that's going to affect the business in a positive way that will still feed into those strategies. A lot of tools are available to do this, but I want to look at this in terms of how to best connect dots and how best to deploy something like this within a business. So to think of it in terms of a top-level strategy that any aerospace organization might have is to think about how far out a company might look to determine what that strategy looks like, right? So we know a lot of companies will just sit back and let things happen on their own, but that will not take the organization where it needs to go. You have to be very intentional about the strategy of any organization. So when you look out over a horizon, and how do we want our company or our organization to get better over time? And we have to have a vision for that. We have to have a, a collective thought process and mindset about those specific things that our business is, is going after. So, for example, a couple of examples here to put it into perspective. If you have a company that is a manufacturing company, for example, and you look out over three years, four years, five years. Most companies are in that three to five year category. Let's think of it in terms of five years. So over the next five years, we are going to take this manufacturing company from a what to a what. And it can't be 20 things. It's got to be a focused list of things that the company is setting out to achieve over that period of time. So when you look out over a five-year horizon in this example, it's about what do you want your company to achieve over that time period? And it could be anything. It could be whatever the, the organization, the board of directors, the CEO, different leaders in the company, however that process comes together and unfolds, that body determines what that might look like. And it could be sales related. It could be delivery related. It could be uh, specific customer satisfaction related. It could be anything and everything. It's only limited by the the mind and the, the creativity of the people that are coming up with this. So if you're a public company, for example, you're much more likely to have a different set of expectations around what the future might look like than if you're a privately held company or a company that's owned by one or two principals. But make no mistake about it, it can take on whatever that expectation is based on the type of organization and the leaders of that organization and, and what they view as important. So across that five years, if you think in terms of specifics, you don't want to have 10 things. You don't want to have 30 things that you're going after. You want to start at a very macro level view and think about big momentum building improvements over that five-year period. So I'll give you three examples here. 
that would fit into a manufacturing company. So number one, big macro level visionary target over a five-year period. We want to improve our on-time delivery to all customers to a minimum of 95%. So when we wake up five years from now, we've established the necessary process rigor, the behaviors, and all of the tools that are needed to enable our business to achieve 95% on time to every single customer. If you do that, that's a pretty substantial uh, and significant outcome that will position your business to be healthy for years and years to come, especially when it's repeatable like that. A second one, we want our external quality, meaning quality to our customers, to be less than 500 parts per million, period, right? So that's a big macro level target that says, when we wake up in five years, through all these things that we're going to go through over these, these next five years in our business, we're going to establish the rigor, the mindset, the behaviors, the tools, the repeatability of achieving external quality at a level that is less than 500 ppm, which can also be stated as world-class. That's world-class quality performance. So that is another way of a macro visionary five-year target for any business, especially a manufacturing business in aerospace. Thirdly, for example, so we have OTD at 95% in five years. We have external quality at less than 500 ppm in five years. And the third example I'll use here is more on the, the financials and how do we increase our profitability. And this might be stated as a macro visionary goal over this five years to achieve a 500 basis point improvement to our bottom line, which is 5%. So if you're running a bottom line or an EBITDA of 15%, you want to increase that to 20% over the next five years. You have to, again, put in the process, the rigor, the repeatability, and the tools that are going to get you there, right? So you have to go put in that roadmap that's going to establish that outcome within and over the next five years. So OTD, quality, and EBITDA, or bottom line improvement. You could also state that as a product margin or, or some other measure, but just thinking in terms of overall profitability, we'll use EBITDA. Now that you have three macro, let's call them organizational driven macro targets that you want to achieve over the next five years. And these things, when, when linked together, delivery, quality, and bottom line performance, when these things begin to work together and the process begins to parallel and then interrelate with each other with all of these because they feed off each other in many different ways, that is going to create over this five-year period a different type of business being run. And that will result in a business that has a higher valuation, that has either a higher stock, stock value, presumably, 
or a higher private equity valuation that could position the company to be sold at a much higher level. Uh, it could also just mean that you're going to be able to attract a different and wider customer base that's going to enable growth expectations to be met. So keeping it simple, we didn't have 10 or 20 things here. We had three things. And that's the key. Let's focus on the critical few things at a macro and an organizational level. Now that you have these three things, what you have to think about is I'm not living in this five-year window right now. I'm living in this year. We're setting up for next year. How do we in the next one year contribute to the goal that we've set out for this five-year period? So what we have to do is we have to begin to break down and chunk out those three things that we said we're going to achieve over the next five years and determine what the next 12 months of that 60-month period will look like for our business. That will get us much more focused, get, get us much more action-oriented, and link to those broader, bigger uh, targets that we want to achieve in those five years. But it'll give us that roadmap for this year. So if we're driving across the country and it's going to take us five years, you know, we, we've got to get from L.A. to, you know, Oklahoma first. And that's what year one looks like. So we've got to really, you know, take this, this long journey that we have and base it and bake it down to a, a series of waypoints that are going to get us along this road, along this side road, onto that highway, and get us driving into Oklahoma City by the end of this first year. And if we do that and we're on track, then we're on our way to get to our ultimate destination within that five-year period. So let's take it down another layer here to make sure that our linkage is clear and it's evident that it fits with uh, the model that we've described. So with OTD at 95% at the five-year period, what does year one look like? So for example, we're going to set a target within our business to get to 88% this year, right? We're going to say, okay, year one looks like 88%. And that's based on an evaluation of the business, seeing where we are, where we need to go. And we're going to establish that as a year one target. Year five is 95%. Year one of year five is to get to 88%. If we get to 88, we're going to be on track and right on the journey that we need to be on. External quality. We said 500 PPM by the end of year five. For year one, it looks like 1500 PPM. So we've got to take a big chunk, a big bite out of that uh, target in year one, because typically in year one, when you're starting up this process, you're going to see a big chunk of your improvement because you've gone from having no structure, no vision, presumably against these targets to having a process in place and a roadmap established. And once you start paying attention to this and the organization becomes aligned around these goals, you will get some immediate benefits that won't always be repeatable in years two, three, four, and five. So you're going to see a big chunk of the improvement in year one. So you just have to factor that in as you start to establish these first year goals. On-time delivery to 88%, external quality, 1,500 PPM. On the third one, 
Year five is 5% or 500 basis point improvement to EBITDA. So in year one, we're going to say, okay, 5%, that's a big number, but we know we can go do some things and start paying attentionally, paying attention. I like that paying attentionally. I don't know if that's a word or not, but attentionally is paying attention intentionally. So I'm not editing that out. I'm just going to leave it. So paying attention intentionally will get us a big chunk of that improvement to get to that, let's say 200 basis points or 2% to the bottom line or EBITDA in the first year. Okay. We have the five year, we have what we're going to do the first year. And now we have to think about of those first year targets that we've begun to pull the thread on from five years down to one year. And now how are we going to begin to execute on these one year targets? Okay, let's look at on-time delivery. What are, what's a project we can do around on-time delivery that's going to get us to this 88% mark in this first year of year five? Well, one thing we can do and we can document is let's put into place a past due reduction process. Because if you're running low on-time delivery, let's say you're at 79%, and you're trying to get to 95, you're not going to get there overnight. It's going to take a long time. First year is 88. By paying attention, we're going to get some of that. And then to have a low on-time delivery of, let's say, 79%, you're going to have a big bucket of past dues, meaning orders that have slipped past the expected delivery date or the contract contractual delivery date to the customer. So we're going to put in a process to intentionally reduce our past dues. That is going to be something that's, that is set up to address the gap that we have in delivery, and it's going to help us get to the 88%. From an external quality standpoint, going from, let's say, 3,000 ppm where we are today, for example, hypothetically, we're not going to get to 500 because that's the five-year goal. That's a big, huge, hairy improvement. We can get to 1,500 this year, and that's what we've established as our first year goal. But to do that, we have to do something specifically. We just can't go to bed, wake up in the morning, roll out of bed, and expect things to get better. Doing the things we've always done is going to get us what we've always got. So we've got to do something intentionally. And a project we'll put into place that links to that first year improvement of 1,500 PPM as a target, we're going to implement an internal defect tracking mechanism at the cell level in our business. So think of your your business, if you're a manufacturing company in this example, uh, an aerospace company, you have 10 cells that have different aspects of the manufacturing process. Each one of those cells potentially creates defects. Those defects make it through your quality system. And unless they're caught At the back end, it will contribute to an external customer quality issue or what we typically refer to as a customer escape. When you have a customer escape, it contributes and adds to your PPM level. The higher the PPM, the worse the perceived and the real quality is in your manufacturing company. So putting this internal defect tracking at the cell level begins to put more goalies in front of the net in a hockey vernacular, for example. If you put enough shots on there, chances are a few are going to get through and those things contribute to quality problems and customer dissatisfaction and create problems signing your customers back up for future business and attracting new customers. So by peeling that 
layer back and implementing an internal defect tracking system at each one of those 10 cells begins to catch defects within the process earlier in the process and gives you a better opportunity to solve the problem before it gets to that back end for your inspectors at the very last step of the process to catch. In effect, what you're doing is you are putting more goalkeepers, goalies, in front of the net, thereby improving the chances of blocking all those shots. So right now we don't have that. We have to put that in place and that's going to help us contribute to reducing our quality PPM and improving our overall quality. Lastly, we talked about a 200 basis point improvement or 2% to the bottom line or EBITDA of our business, the overall profitability of our business after everything is paid, all of our bills are paid and people are paid their salaries and wages. We have a target of 2% this year that's contributing to a 5% target over this five-year period. So breaking it down into smaller chunks, 2% this year, what can we do as a project within our business, our manufacturing business, to capture that 2%. So a project that comes to mind that we could take on is reducing our standard hours. If you think in terms of a manufacturing company who manufactures valves, let's say aerospace uh, pneumatic valves, this valves business is set up to run against a set of standard hours. So if you have 10 part numbers that you run, that you manufacture, and each part number has a standard of 10 hours, That means that you have established your business to have a repeat performance of manufacturing each valve in 10 labor hours of time. That costs you so much money based on your labor rates and your overhead and all the things that you do as a business, how many employees you have to support that. It's all math and it all lines up and you have to build a little bit of common sense into the calculation as well. But But at the end of the day, it's math largely says what you need to run that business efficiently. So if we're going to get 200 basis point improvement or 2% better performance, which means we have to reduce our cost by 2%. So all of that savings drops, as you hear it uh, often said, drops to the bottom line. You're taking all 200 basis points of that savings and you're pushing it all the way down to EBITDA. It doesn't get held up in other, other things that begin to pull basis points away from that. It all goes straight to profit. So if you take 10 hours per valve and you start doing it in nine hours per valve, you've saved 10%, right? So you're going to start seeing incremental improvements of savings that are going to result in less cost of sale, cost of goods sold which includes the labor component, the material component, all of those things that go into that overhead, all of those things and that contribute to the cost of running the organization. You have SG&A that goes into that. But the part that really affects the product is that cost of goods. And if you can reduce your standard hours by 10%, you're going to start to see some immediate savings drop to the bottom line. Now, when you do that, it's important that you reevaluate and reassess your business to say, Okay, if I had 100 employees and now I'm operating much more efficiently, do I still need 100 employees? Maybe I can do it on 95 employees. And now you're really beginning to realize the savings because you have five fewer employees. Uh, You're going to start feeling the benefit and impact of that savings. So you can't save time on standard hours and yet just move people to do work that doesn't add value. My recommendation here is, and I'm not a big proponent, we don't want to go lay off people and just start shredding our, our workforce. That, I don't advocate that at all because 
as we know in aerospace, it takes so much time, energy, effort, and patience, frankly, to hire the right people, create the right skills, ensure you have the right behaviors, and then to uh, put them to work, get them up to what we would call rate, producing the right amount of parts in the right amount of time, get them fully qualified, doing quality work, being a real asset to your organization, just to say, okay, we're not going to have five employees all of a sudden. That's not the right thing either in my mind. But rather what you do is you redeploy those employees to other areas where you have deficits today, or you start adjusting your headcount through attrition. And it happens all the time. Even great companies have attrition. People leave for any, any number of reasons, whether it's a, a few more bucks or a personal circumstance, or they have to move to a different location for family reasons or, or all types of reasons. And good companies and companies that aren't doing so well, attrition happens, turnover happens. So let's look at how do we not replace people as they begin to leave? First, how do we redeploy them to a value-added skill that we need in the business that we currently might have a deficit? Secondly, as people attrit out of the organization, how do we intentionally not replace them, but begin to recognize more clearly the benefits of operating more efficiently? In this example, going from 10 hours to nine hours of, of how we have uh, improved in our standard hours. Then you will begin to see over time, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not a, we'll just switch, flip a switch and we'll start seeing the benefit. It's a real methodical, deliberate process of improve validate the improvement, ensure that the, the measures that you've put into place are holding and are repeatable, find alternate ways for those employees to add value to the organization to fill, fill gaps or deficits, then start looking at uh, turnover and attrition and not replacing those people as they leave. You can then begin to run a much more efficient business while still taking good care of your employees that you've invested highly into. So critical that we do that as leaders and uh, as folks that, that think about an organization in, in these ways. So next, what you have to do is really take those three projects, those past due reduction processes that we talked about putting in place for on-time delivery improvement, the internal defect tracking at the cell level to really catch quality defects earlier in the process and in a sense, put more goalies in front of the net and reducing standard hours in the, in the example that I shared of a valve manufacturing business of reducing from 10 hours of a standard hours to nine hours, redeploying, leveraging that talent differently in the organization and begin seeing the impact. Now we have to put those into actual, what are we going to achieve by doing that? So for the past due process, which supports the delivery five-year objective, this year, we're going to say, we're going to reduce past dues by 50%. Well, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. So we have to be a little more clear than that. We have to be intentionally clear so the organization understands what the current state is and what the future state is. Let me restate it. Reduce past dues by 50% from $2 million to $1 million by end of year. So it's important to not only say what we're going to do, where are we today, where do we want to be tomorrow, and when do we want to be there? Reduce past dues by 50% from $2 million to $1 million by the end of the year. That will support all of the different things that we walk through. Okay. Secondly, and as a supportive metric to that, we want to increase on-time delivery from 
to 88% by end of the year. Remember how I indicated that usually in that first year, you're going to see the largest amount of success because you're going from no process or a broken process to a, an intentional process with a roadmap and a plan that feeds in and supports a greater goal. And by paying attention and beginning to get consistent with how you look at things and become accountable about things, you're going to see typically a much greater improvement in year one. So increase on-time delivery from 79% to 88% by end of year. So we said what we're going to do, the current state, what we're going to go to, and when we're going to get there. 79 to 88 by the end of the year. Next, this is going to tie into the quality. How, how are we going to get to the 1500 PPM by the end of, end of this year? We're going to go reduce internal defects by 30% from, this is a little different now, the baseline by the end of the year. Because we haven't implemented in this example into our valve cells for this manufacturing company, we haven't established what the current state is. Remember, we've been catching all of these defects at the back door. We've been catching all of these errors at the back door, which means by default, we've had one goalie in front of the net and so many others have been trickling out under the net and getting to our customers, which has caused us to have a high level of quality defects coming back from our customers, which is why we targeted an improvement action there. In effect, we're putting this down within the organization where the work happens. It's going to put more goalies in front of the net and we have to determine what that looks like before we can improve it. So to reduce internal defects by 30% from the baseline, we're going to put the process in. We're going to establish over a short period of time, let's say 30 to 60 days, what our defect rates are. We're going to capture that and then we're going to lop off 30%. And then we're going to be very, very intentional about what the actions we're going to take to uh, remove many of those defects internally are. Because if you have fewer defects going through the organization, through your manufacturing process, you're going to have less to get out the back door of your manufacturing process. And you don't necessarily have to wait 30 or 60 days because we don't want to waste a ton of time figuring that out. What you can do is go back and look at your data. You can make some logical assumptions by working through uh, and having discussions with your engineering teams, with your quality teams, with the operators within the cell, either the machinists or the mechanics uh, to determine what those are. There's enough data around in the organization or within your business system or within Excel that can give you a really good sense of what those defects are. And then you pick a number, you lop 30% off and you go for it. If you wait for all the lights to be on green, as I've said it before, and you may have heard that, if you wait for all of the lights to be on green, you will never, ever get through any intersection because you will be paralyzed by inaction. Okay, so you've got you've to create movement in the organization. You've got to start by doing something, even if that something is not the greatest, but it's done with the right intent and the right outcomes in mind. Starting the motion will create momentum and that momentum will tell you where you need to make improvements in the process. And then you do simple mid-course corrections. And when you start doing mid-course corrections, you will get to where you want to go much quicker and it will become much clearer for everybody to see. The next thing we will do around quality is just state the goal. That way we'll always keep track of what we want to do. 
So reduce external PPM from 3,000 to 1,500 by end of year. Again, what it is we're trying to do, what's the current state, 3,000, where are we going? We want to be at 1,500 by the end of the year. Remember, 500 is five years, but 1,500 in year one. And we want to get there by the end of this year or the end of the year from when you start this process. Presumably, that's typically the beginning of uh, a calendar year or your fiscal year based on your, your process at your company or the process, frankly, that you put into place because it didn't exist. Finally, we have the standard hours, right? So we had the 200 basis point improvement this year, supporting a 500 basis point improvement over five years. And the process or project we're going to put into place is reduce standard hours from, let's say, in that manufacturing company example, from 10 hours to nine hours. And we are going to go and put in a metric that says, okay, what's that look like? So if it's 10 hours going to nine hours, we're going to say reduce standard hours from 10 hours to nine hours by end of year. Very simple, very basic. You can also break that out within each cell. But I say, let's keep it simple for right now. And then you can also put a, a very clear, obvious target on there to improve uh, a metric. that says improve margin or improve EBITDA by 200 basis points by end of the year. Okay, and you'll, whatever your current state is. So if you're at, if you're at 15% and you want to go to 17% because that's 2%. Ultimately, you want to go to 20% or 5% uh, improvement by five years. You would just simply say improve, or you could say expand, or you could say whatever you want to say. You could say, let's juice up our EBITDA. It doesn't really matter the words you use. Just make sure they're actionable and make sure that they're clear. So we're going to say exp expand or generate 200 basis point improvement from 15% to 17% by end of the year. Very clear. So those become your targets. And now that when you look backwards into this process that we pulled this thread on, you have these targets that you're going after, very discrete targets that you're going to do something. You're going to reduce something. You're going to increase something. You're going to improve something. And you're going to do it from a known place of starting, what the amount of improvement is, where you want to finish up, and when you want to be there. Let's just summarize real quick to make sure that um, all of this links together and makes sense to you. High-level organization, the organization, the company, the corporation, the top of the organization says, in five years, we want to achieve three things. Number one, achieve on-time delivery of 95%. Number two, achieve external quality in parts per million of less than 500. Number three, achieve 500 basis point improvement, which is 5% to EBITDA. Those three things over the next five years. Pull the thread. Pull it hard. Year one. What are we going to do to achieve that? Well, on time delivery, year one, we believe we can get to 88% to contribute to that 95%. External quality. We believe we can get from 3,000 to 1,500 in year one, contributing to that five year of less than 500. Number three, we think we can get to 200 basis point improvement or 2% on EBITDA against the 500 basis point or 5% improvement over the five years. 200 this year. Okay, now we have those three things lined up for this year. What do we have to do? What are three things we can go do to get to those first year targets and those objectives we set out? 
Number one, for the on-time delivery to 88, we're going to deploy a pass-through reduction process. For the quality to 1500, we're going to implement an internal defect tracking process or system down at the cell level. Number three, to get to 200 basis point improvement this year on EBITDA, marching toward that 500, but 200 this year, we're going to reduce our standard hours. Now, we take those three things, those three projects, let's call them, and how are we going to measure ourselves against it? Well, on the on-time delivery, which correlates to the past-due reduction process or project, we're going to reduce past-dues 50% from 2 million to 1 million by the end of the year. And that's going to enable us to increase on-time delivery from 79% to 88% by the end of the year. The internal defect tracking at the cell level is going to support that 1,500 PPM external quality for this year. We're going to reduce internal defects by 30% from the baseline by the end of this year. And we're also going to have a measure that says reduce external PPM from 3,000 to 1,500 by the end of the year. So we're tracking against it every month. Every month. Third and finally, we're going to have the reduction of the standard hours, and that's going to translate into we're going to reduce standard hours from 10 hours to nine hours by the end of the year. Okay, and then we're going to increase, we're going to expand our EBITDA performance by 200 basis points or 2% by the end of the year. It may sound complicated, but if you go back and re-listen to this, what I've just described to you is how Hoshin planning works, often called strategy deployment. And this is done by way of, you might hear or have heard, an X matrix. And the X matrix follows this process. And you have to visualize that and look at that separately and how it relates to what I just walked through. What I just walked through was the logic, the reason, the rationale, the connection points so you can visualize how one thing, we want Sesame Street from a simplicity standpoint. We want fifth grade. We want things to be so super simple that you don't have to have a PhD in, in math to figure this out. We want this to be so easy that every single person in our organization from the very lowest level to the very highest level can see, look, and quickly understand what it is we're looking to do in the long term, what we're doing in the short term, and then the things we're doing in the short term to get us to those targets. And then how are we going to track and measure ourselves and be accountable to ourselves for this performance? So the X matrix is a tool that takes everything I just described in this podcast, takes everything, puts it on paper in a visual way that everyone in the organization can see and understand it. So I encourage you, if you want to take a look at one, go over to, to my website, aerospaceleader.com, and you can become a free lifetime member and go into the vault and take a look at a strategy deployment X matrix. So you can get there very easily by going to aerospaceleader.com forward slash join, and that will take you right there and you can sign up for absolutely free. I'm not selling a thing and uh, I'm just here to serve and to hope to better educate you and share with you some of my experiences and thoughts on strategy deployment, on leveraging the organization to achieve big things over time, and becoming the absolute best aerospace professional or leader that you can become. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you'd like to learn more, go to aerospaceleader.com. 
I would love to have you as a subscriber to the Aerospace Business and Leadership Podcast. You can head over to aerospacepodcast.com and subscribe there. And that's going to do it for this week's show. And I appreciate you tuning in. And I look forward to bringing you more helpful and insightful information in the area of aerospace, business and leadership. And we'll see you next time.